Welcome in to the Designated for Assignment podcast. Rob Wan, Josh Goldberg back with you for another week. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Rob Wan 34 at jgoldberg12, and of course, at DFA underscore pod. And Josh, what a week it was for the Toronto Blue Jays as they just continue to win. This team does not lose back-to-back games. They do not lose series 15 and 8 on the season as they head into this uh, three-game set against the New York Yankees to wrap up this homestand. Just a, a quick funny story before we get into the actual Blue Jays content, but uh, you were at the game on Friday and uh, so was I. Uh, I've been to a couple of games this year. That was my second of the year. Was that your first game of first, the season? Yeah, first. First, it was cool to be down there. Yeah, it was cool to be down there. I know I saw your Twitter account and you said, oh, I can't wait to head down. And you put up a picture, a stock photo. Was that uh, of it popcorn? Was, yeah, it was. Uh, is that from your phone or was that like no, a no, stock no, I Googled, <laughs> I Google imaged Roger Center popcorn and there are a few different options uh, to choose from. And that was like the, the least grainy horrible picture so i was like you know what gotta throw it out there every time i go first game of the year tradition tweet about the popcorn yeah the popcorn is incredible oh yeah Uh, but the quick story is that uh, so we were both at the game and we were literally sitting like 10 feet away from each other but uh, i did not know what section you were in i was gonna message you to to see where you were at and i remember i was there like before first pitch and i just look up and to my right, there you are, crushing popcorn, like immediately <laughs> as soon as you sat down. So you uh, definitely did what you were uh, going to say, but uh, a pretty funny moment to, to just see you uh, just a few feet away from me. But, you know, for your first game of the season, uh, this Blue Jays team, as we've talked a lot about, the expectations are high. The fan base is buzzing. Uh, unfortunately, we both got to see a pretty terrible start by Yusei Kikuchi yeah. and one of the only two losses of last week for the Blue Jays uh, as far as the homestand goes. But what did you make of, uh, I guess, the buzz, the atmosphere surrounding Rogers Center this year? It was it was great. I thought I thought, you know, Friday night weekend, good crowd, a lot of energy. Certainly Kikuchi did a number and kind of sucking the uh, life out of the building with another kind of, you know, not very good start. Vladdy hitting a home run is always great, especially when it happens to be one that ties or takes the lead. And he ripped one off the facing of the second deck. You know, Chapman hit one off the facing of the 500s, which was cool to see. Objectively speaking, aside from the fact that it was such a long game, there was a lot of action, a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth, a lot of runs for a change, considering this team has uh, basically been playing nip and tuck ball games seemingly every night it was nice to see some runs scored even though they came out on the short end of the uh, stick a little bit and I thought that the uh, scoreboard was cool the lights were cool unfortunately somehow Jordan Romano this guy pitches in every fucking game and we didn't get to see him him pitch and all I hear is how great his his thing is with his intro and his lights and the red and white and of course, we don't happen to see him. But other than that, it was great. And I'm looking forward to going down a bunch more times. Oh, man. Year. So I've been to two games this year. The first one was uh, Hunjin Ryu getting beat up by Oakland on a yeah. Saturday. And then I get Yusei Kikuchi. So combined, I think I've seen Blue Jays starting pitchers throw like three innings. Yeah. It's been absolutely terrible. So every time I go so far this year, it's been bad. Haven't seen the Jordan Romano thing like you're talking about with the uh, the big lights and uh, all like the fireworks and who knows what's going on. It seems pretty cool uh, every time Jordan Romano comes into a game but you're right he does pitch uh, every freaking game it seems and uh, it's good because that means the Blue Jays are winning because he uh, continues to get the job done so the Blue Jays now nine and two Josh in one run games this year and 
I know we love the the narratives and the storylines surrounding, you know, when teams win close ball games, but you go back a season ago and you look at the teams that were really good in one run games, like the Seattle Mariners were good in one run games. I think yeah. some of the like not very good teams in the NL were really good in one run games. And then you did have some teams that were very good in uh, one run games, playoff teams. But I think for me, just overall, when, you know, I see how the Blue Jays have performed, I think it's kind of clear for me why, you know, they've been so successful. The pitching has been great. The defense has been great, but they've also gotten pretty fucking lucky in some of these games. I mean, Vladdy catching a line drive and doubling off. uh, It was a Kyle Tucker, I think, in that game against the Astros to wrap it up. Kudos to, you know, George Springer for that amazing grab that he made uh, against the Astros on Sunday. But like, how many times is he going to get to that ball? Like that drives in the tying run. I think in the Red Sox series, it might have been Kike Hernandez smoked a ball to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left field for an out. Like the Blue Jays are getting pretty lucky. Does that mean the worm's going to turn and all of a sudden they're just going to lose, you know, six of their next seven, you know, one run ball games? Of course not. But I'm not buying into this. There's something different about this team. They, yeah. as the, you know, as Hawk Harrelson loves to say, they got TWTW. They got the will to win. Like that's yeah. not the case, I don't think. <laughs> are they, you know, Uh, in a situation where, you know, they've got talented players that can get the job done in close ball games. Absolutely. Because we saw last year, the talent level was not particularly good as far as the bullpen goes and they blew a lot of games, but this year the bullpen's good. The defense has obviously been upgraded. They're one of the better defensive teams in all of baseball um, going right now. So there's a lot of things that are helping them win these one run ball games. It's the old saying, right? You got to be good to be lucky and you got to be lucky to be good. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, like I, I'm not really that bothered by it. Sure, would I like to see Jordan Romano not pitching literally every time I look up? It seems like he's trotting in from the mound, except when I actually happen to be uh, in the building. But like, what, what what can you say? Like, you know, you're 100% right. They have gotten lucky. There's a number of times where balls should have gone the other way. And that's just... You know, you're just happen to be getting a lot of breaks right now. You're nine and two in one run games. Uh, you were 15 and 15 in 2021. And that I don't, there's no rhyme or reason. Just sometimes these things go your way and sometimes they don't. The Seattle Mariners were not very good. I didn't think last year and they almost made the playoffs basically on the back of an unsustainably incredible record in these one run tight ball games. And like, I don't think that the blue Jays are going to be playing these nip and tuck games all season long. It's just not, it's just not the way it works. You don't play a one run game. You're not going to play a hundred one run games in 162 game season, even though they're seemingly on that pace, they'll start scoring some runs. They faced a ton of velocity. They struggle. I think that that is a legitimate concern about how they hit, pitchers who throw 95 plus you could say that about a lot of teams but they have faced a disproportionate number i think i saw i think it was chris black tweeted the sportsnet tv producer about you know some of the the players that have seen 95 plus mile per hour and they've seen a ton and they're going to start to see some softening there and i think the ball is going to start to travel a little bit further and they're going to start to resemble the team that we expected that isn't going to rely on winning three two and winning baseball games where they somehow have only three hits. It's great that they're 15 and eight when they basically, I think relatively speaking, like they haven't played particularly well. There've been facets of their game that have been great, but 
if you look at them, you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, they're really clicking on all cylinders. They're playing great baseball. They're finding a way. I don't think like that they have some DNA where they're just going to disproportionately be good in these situations. Right now, this is how they happen to be winning. And I'm encouraged that they've been able to bank some wins in games that you know, easily could have gone the other way, probably should have gone the other way, a handful of them. And then when they inevitably do start hitting, okay, then they're not going to have to rely on you know, the likes of four or five guys in the bullpen uh, seemingly bailing them out or, or keep keeping the thing held together. They're going to start being able to win some games, you know, 8-4, 10-5, or 9-3 or something like that because we haven't really seen much of that so far through the first uh, month or so of the season. Yeah, just win, baby. That's uh, all that matters at this point. It's Nobody cares how. The Blue Jays are getting this done. Uh, People care how many wins. And so far, they've uh, crushed it in the early part of this season schedule against some of these really good teams, uh, whether it's Houston, uh, the Yankees. I mean, the Red Sox, probably Mm -hmm. a bit of a fraud, uh, if we're being honest. Uh, They've had a lot of different issues. And, I mean, Tanner Houck kind of blew up their whole bullpen and Garrett Woodlock and all that stuff in the series uh, last week. So it didn't really work in their favor, but uh, watching how they performed in Baltimore, there's definitely some uh, leaks when it comes to that uh, Red Sox ship. But one guy that has not been a concern whatsoever. And like, I'm not getting tired about talking about Kevin Gossman, but like, what is there really to say at this point? He's been by and far the best pitcher in baseball this season. Um, I think he's got what, like 1.9 F war, and then Carlos Rodon is second at like 1.2. Carlos Rodon is having a ridiculous season, yeah. but Kevin Gosman's having an even more impressive season. His walk to guy at 41 to zero strikeout to walk ratio. He like, I was trying to think of, you know, recent memory, you know, Roy Halladay obviously had some incredible seasons and I'm sure he had some incredible starts to seasons, but I was thinking like, even like Roger Clemens, like did Roger Clemens have a great start to some seasons? And I look back, I think it was 97, his first year, get three really good starts. And in his fourth start, he gave up like six runs and in seven innings. So not even a guy like Roger Clemens in his prime, uh, you know, juiced Roger Clemens was yeah. having the type of start that Kevin Gossman is having right now. This is like historic baseball stuff, not even just Blue Jays historical numbers, but in the entire game of baseball, we have never seen uh, this type of start from a guy like Kevin Gossman. Yeah, he's been incredible. And uh, I I thought that, and I put this out there on on Twitter, in terms of just sheer watchability, he's already one of my favorite Blue Jays pitchers of all time that I can think of. And like, I know you'll say, oh, well, there's so many greats like Dave Steve. I was not alive when Dave Steve did his thing. So I see old man Steve in like the late. Yeah, I got I got to see, unfortunately, just like the 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 tail end of his career. Yeah, was wasn't great. But like, I'm not going to just say, oh, yeah, well, Dave Steve, I didn't fucking watch Dave Steve. I, 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 I have no frame of reference for Dave Steve. So like Doc is obviously the one that comes to mind. There have been some others, but he works quick. He throws strikes. He gets swings and misses. He pitches deep into ball games. Maybe that will change, but I think he profiles as somebody that is going to be able to do something approaching this. Like he's not going to go the whole season without walking anyone or giving up home runs. Like he's going to have some down outings. We've said this every time we've talked about him, but I do think that he can pitch to a low three ERA and strike out, you know, 10 per nine and not walk many hitters and go six plus and win lots of ball games, have lots of quality starts and give this team a chance 
at the very least every single time. And that and more is worth five years and $110 million. Like that contract is already looking like just an incredible value. And I understand, you know, it's a long way to go, but the process was sound. They were smart in in making that decision and choosing him over Robbie Ray because he just, I think he'll, I think just think he'll age better as far as pitchers go. You never know how pitchers are going to age, but you know, Robbie Ray throwing like that upper nineties, a lot of taxing with the, the slider on the arm and elbow and just his propensity to be inconsistent with his command. I just think Gosman's got cleaner peripherals. I think his mechanics are, are pretty neat as well. And he's really locked in right now. And yeah, you couldn't have dreamed of anything more than this. Like this is an absolute best case scenario, like 0.01 percentile of outcomes through the first month of the season. And he's done it. Yeah, it's like you said, an absolute joy to watch. It's pretty stress-free for the most part. I know in his last start, it was a shocker, close game against the uh, Houston Astros for the Blue Jays once again. But, I mean, this guy just has no fear, just attacks hitters, fastball, throws the splitter, is mixing in that slider, of course, this year as well. It's just uh, incredible how good he has been so far to begin this season. Another guy that's uh, making a difference right now is George Springer. And, of course, you made that incredible catch, like I mentioned, in that uh, series finale win uh, over the Astros. Hit a couple of big homers against uh, Luis Garcia. Had a big homer against the, the Red Sox in that series against uh, Jake Diekman to tie up that ball game. Has made some incredible catches this year. And, you know, it's just crunching the numbers. And by crunching the numbers, I mean uh, go to fan graphs and just add up all the uh, statistics that are available on that website. But uh, now we're at the 100 games played mark. A nice round number for George Springer as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays job. Josh, and he's slashing 273, 353, 558 for a 146 WRC plus in 100 games as a Blue Jay. It doesn't seem like it's been 100 games because, of course, he was injured for uh, most of last season. And uh, this year he's missed a couple of games with that forearm bruise. But when George Springer has been on the field, he has been very much like Kevin Gossman, absolutely worth that money. And I mean, so far, you know, you wish you could have gotten more games out of him a season ago, but is it possible that George Springer is even underpaid at this point with uh, the type of contract that he has, at least from an annual average value? I I think as we progress over the next uh, four or five years, you know, maybe we can have a different conversation. But as it stands right now, is it possible that George Springer is, uh, you know, is underpaid uh, considering what he's getting um, uh, on uh, on an annual average value? I think there's an argument because when he is on the field, it's impossible to argue against the fact that he is one of the, I would say 20 best players in baseball. And when he's going good, he might be one of the top 15, certainly position players. Like I'm not talking pitchers, like in terms of how you value them, I'm talking position players, certainly one of the 20 best. He's just such an impactful player to have in your lineup like he's just put so much pressure right away on opposing pitchers that you just you have no margin for error and if you make a mistake to him we've already seen it a a number of times uh, this year you're down one nothing uh, in the baseball game and he was really the catalyst Uh, I guess it was on Saturday when he hit those couple of home runs and I think he's got 28 home runs as a Blue Jay in in 100 games, which is just stupidity. And, you know, earlier in his career, he wasn't necessarily that kind of prototypical prodigious power hitter. But 
as he's gotten a little bit older, he started hitting more home runs and, and seemingly made a conscious effort to try and hit for more power. And that to me is the calling card of a, of a truly transcendent offensive player is where they can say, you know what, I'm going to make an alteration here in the hopes of hitting more home runs or doing something more that I feel like can help my value and help the team uh, in the long run, like Joey Votto kind of did it last year. I know he's struggling to start the season, but he made a conscious effort to swing for the fences more and hit more fly balls. And I think we're sort of seeing that a little bit with George Springer over the past couple of years, even with Houston towards the end of his tenure there, he's been hitting more home runs. Like he is just a great hitter all around power gap to gap line to line. Um, but I think he's made an effort to try and hit more home runs. And that's why we're seeing him with 28 and hundred games. And that speaks to his talent level that he is actually able to do that. Lots of guys want to hit more home runs, but very few can actually go about successfully accomplishing that. And he appears to have done so. And honestly, I think for me as well, the biggest difference is that when he is going, the lineup is just so much better than it is. Obviously when you have Bo going, you have Vladdy going to Oscar Hernandez is going that's huge. But to have someone that has that quick strike ability to quickly put you up one, nothing mm -hmm. like we've seen with George Springer, a hit for an extra base. And I mean, he's even uh, running a little bit uh, this year on, on the bases. It's been good. He looks healthy. I think that's yeah, the does. biggest thing because last year, anytime George Springer, you know, ran out of the box after a swing, you're just like, Oh God, is his leg just going to explode on him as he gets to, to first base. And this year, at the beginning of the season, I'd be lying if I said, you know, anytime George Springer was running out of ground ball, I didn't sort of, you know, pull at the collar a little bit and be like, oh, like, I hope he's okay running through the bag. And there was uh, in that Red Sox series uh, when they were in Boston, when he got hit in the forearm, when he came in as a pinch hitter uh, in one of those final games and he was taking hacks and, you know, going down on one knee. That's a George Springer thing. I think mm -hmm. uh, we need to realize that, you know, he's done that for a large part of his career, but um, there's been a few moments where you're just uh, hoping that uh, he's fully healthy and uh, he definitely looks that way, uh, making those big grabs in the outfield as well to help Jordan Romano win that game on Sunday. So the numbers still on the season, Josh, not great for uh, Bo Bichette sitting at a 61 WRC plus heading into this uh, series against the Yankees, but started to pick things up. I mean, prior to the homestand had a 51 WRC plus was slashing a beautiful 217, 239, 290. Uh, wow. That's uh, pretty horrific. Yeah, but now uh, after 30 plate appearances against the uh, Red Sox and Astros this past week, it's an 85 WRC plus. So it's still uh, not remotely close to what we've seen from Bo Bichette, but a couple of big homers, uh, one against the Red Sox, that grand slam. And of course a big go ahead homer against the Astros on Sunday are you starting to see some uh, changes here? Is Bo Bichette starting to come out of it? Because I think, you know, the exit velocity on the homestand was 100 miles an hour. That was the average exit velocity. So he is making some serious contact right now compared to the 89.2 he had uh, prior to the homestand earlier this year. So at the very least, if we're looking by uh, EV, if we're looking at exit velocity, he's making a lot better contact, mm -hmm. still not walking a ton, you know, still striking out around 23%, which uh, isn't terrible. That's, you know, um, definitely a lot better than he was at the beginning of this season. But are you starting to see uh, some different ABs from Mr. Bobachet? Well, I don't know if I would necessarily go as far as to say that the at bats are noticeably different. I think the at bats are the at bats with him he, when he's going good, when he's scuffling the way that he has. 
you know, sometimes he works counts to two, two or three, two, and then we'll just swing through a fastball. Even when he's locked in stuff like that will happen. I think it's been happening a disproportionate amount more in a negative sense where he's just been behind and then opens up or expands the zone and he's flailing away. Like, I, I think that like as, as much as, you know, I want to say he's coming out of it. Like, I just think it was a slump that was going to level off just with the way that his profile is offensively. He's a swinger. He's aggressive. He's going up there looking to take cuts to hack away and make contact. And like, he's never going to be somebody that walks a whole heck of a lot. I, I think we've, have sort of established that like maybe he um, bumps it up incrementally, but I don't think that's fundamentally going to change. We have enough of a sample to know what type of hitter he is and what it looks like. And he's put some better swings on some balls, you know, hit a couple of home runs to opposite field. He's capable of doing that. You'd like to see him turn on fastballs a little bit better. I saw some good swings uh, in that regard. And I also saw some not so good swings uh, over the the last uh, week against the Red Sox and the Astros, but I wasn't remotely concerned a week ago and I've continued to not be concerned. I should be more optimistic, I guess, because he's had some results, but he's too talented of a hitter. His contact skills are too good. We've seen it in uh, a large sample of over 300 games in his career coming into the season. He will be fine. I'm okay. Leaving him at two. Like if you wanted to put Vladdy there, I'd be okay with that. Like there's been some, well, have him bat eighth. I like we can't have those takes. Those takes need to die a slow death. Those are horrible takes. Yeah, those are pretty horrible takes. Now, I will say I may have put myself out on an island uh, during that game uh, against the uh, Houston Astros that we were both at on Friday where, you know, I put out a thought on Twitter and I was like, you know, it was we're still really bad at that point. And I said, you know, maybe it's not a case of Charlie coming to bow where do you get to a point where maybe Bo brings it up to Charlie and says, Hey, you know what? I know I'm scuffling right now and I'm, you know, I'm going to get better. I'm going to, I know I'm going to get better, but maybe you want to just change some things around. See if you can find someone that can slot in right now. Ultimately it's not happening. I mean, Bo Bichette continues to hit uh, that second and Mm -hmm. obviously starting to come out of things, but I just thought from a perspective of, Hey, this is a guy that, you know, is trying to become more of a leader uh, within this team. Does at some point where if it just continued to go down the shitter, does he bring it up and say, you know, maybe we have a Mm -hmm. conversation about what we can do here, but uh, it doesn't seem like uh, that is going to happen. And at the very least, I mean, uh, low hanging fruits and uh, a bit of a shot here, but at least he's not Marcus Semien, who's uh, got a 31 WRC plus to uh, begin the season. It's a pretty rough go. We know April is a tough month for uh, Marcus Semien, but like the exit velocity is down. I know Mm -hmm. everybody's talking about the baseball, of course, and that's having a big effect just all across the league. Um, But uh, yeah, things not looking pretty right now for a guy that's uh, making $25 million a season in uh, Marcus Semien out in Texas. So we've got some uh, injury updates with regards to the Blue Jays from uh, our pal Kayla McGrath. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu going on a rehab outing in uh, Buffalo on Saturday. Teoscar Hernandez will join Dunedin on Tuesday for a rehab outing, so he looks pretty close. Janie Jansen continuing a hitting progression. Uh, meanwhile, Kevin Biggio cleared COVID protocols and will start baseball activities while uh, Nate Pearson back in town, and uh, he will throw a bullpen tomorrow. We haven't talked a ton about Nate Pearson because obviously he's been away trying to recover from mono and building back up but you know this bullpen which has been so taxed early on this season 
you know, even if Nate Pearson isn't, you know, a hundred percent and, you know, looking like he's in midseason form, just to have another guy that Charlie Montoyo can trust and potentially for multiple innings is just going to give this bullpen a huge uh, shot in the arm and a huge break uh, at a point where they really need it. Yeah. Like a- anything would be uh, good from him. I have no expectations, uh, at least probably for the first half of the season. Like if he can find his form, after the all-star break, similar to the way that he did last year. And then come August and September, he's effective enough and throwing hard enough. And, and you can trust him in leverage spots. Then I think that that would be a win. It's really unfortunate because like I had some optimism and some enthusiasm and some excitement about what we might be able to see from Nate Pearson this year. And probably not a conventional role where he was going to be starting ball games. It was going to be maybe you know, mid inning fireman type throwing, uh, you know, two or three innings, potentially depending on the game script or the situation, whatever it called for, we might still get there, but a poor guy just seems to be snake bit a little bit where things just unfortunately seem to be finding him in a negative sense. And you just hope that he can shake this one off and come back and make an impact for the blue Jays. Because if he can, that's almost like an internal trade of sorts where you're getting a big power arm in the bullpen. You're always looking for bullpen pieces via free agency trade in season. And he could sort of act like that a little bit if he can find his form and be somebody that emerges. Yeah. One of the people on this podcast may or may not have had a bold prediction that Nate Pearson was going to make the uh, American league all-star team, which uh, as it stands right now, uh, if you were to like put a bet down and, you know, sometimes you can cash out depending on whatever uh, website you're on or whatever sports book you're using. And it's like, Oh, you uh, bet uh, $20 and now your cash out equity is like uh, five cents. Like, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like there's no chance uh, I will be making back my money on that uh, bold prediction uh, we will have some uh, listener questions coming up in uh, just a few moments as always you can get us on twitter at dfa underscore pod uh, i know you've uh, sent out a couple of tweets in the last few uh, weeks to our uh, loyal listeners about what kind of content they wanted to see so you know we're going to try out some new segments and i just felt that this was perfect timing i, I feel like we're going to be talking about this guy for a while uh, for many many years to come but he is sort of one of the hotter prospects in all of baseball right now and especially in the Blue Jays organization. And that is Ricky Tiedemann, who is yeah, just yeah. lighting the world on fire right now in uh, low A Dunedin. Uh, of course, Dunedin previously was high A, but with all the um, shuffling around in, my, in the minor leagues, uh, Dunedin is now low A, and Lansing has become the high A affiliate for the Blue Jays. But in case you haven't heard, uh, Ricky Tiedemann, a uh, third-round draft pick by the Blue Jays last year, has been just blowing up the competition. He's made four starts so far for Dunedin. He's 3-0. and He's got 33 strikeouts in 20 innings and uh, I saw some you know Twitter threads going around uh, I saw one in particular by a guy named uh, Jesse Roche who uh, is a dynasty baseball writer and a ranker for uh, baseball prospectus and uh, just a quick uh, run through of this thread here but he said uh, Tiedemann's fastball is wild he gets 52 percent whiffs on it it generates a ridiculous amount of horizontal uh, movement and vertical movement his slider is nasty where he's getting a ton of whiffs as well and this is what blew me away uh, Jesse said his changeup may be his best pitch with 10 miles an hour separation depth and huge running action for context no major league baseball left-handed pitchers changeup averages as much run 19.2 inches as Tiedemann so as far as professional 
baseball goes at the major leagues, uh, no one throws a better changeup than a guy like uh, Ricky Tiedemann. That's how ridiculous it is. Well, I've seen some tweets and some scouts have said like the that the scat the the stuff is disgusting and the fastball is really good and that's exciting stuff because like you're always just looking to replenish the cupboard, especially in a pitching sense, minor league wise. Like a lot of these guys could end up being trade chips. Like we just saw what happened with Gunnar Hoagland and going to the Oakland athletics in the Matt Chapman deal. Like I'm not saying Ricky Tiedemann's going to be a trade chip. He could end up being a rotation piece down the line, but uh, we'll see if he gets a quick promotion up to high a, like he certainly looks like he's too good right now for low a. So like, I think it's something to keep an eye on because he, as he, as good as he's been, you know, these, the growth and, and development of prospects is never linear. Like Relvis Martinez is kind of struggling. He's really mm. striking out a lot after a hot start. Uh, Gabriel Moreno has had some nice moments at AAA, but he's scuffling a little bit as well. And how much of that is just, you know, you're continuing to grow and develop uh, as a young player and prospect. Like how much is the baseball playing an impact in certain regards? Early season, cold weather, is the ball not traveling as far, hurting players like that? There's lots to take into consideration at the best of times uh, when it comes to prospects, but in the first month of the season, cold weather climate, maybe a different baseball, probably best in certain respects to take it with a bit of uh, a grain of salt. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, do more of these farm reports as we get throughout the season. A lot of exciting prospects, of course, in the Blue Jays system. Let's get to the listener questions. We'll kick things off with Fraser. Uh, He says, if Bo is still slumping when Teoscar is back, are you moving him down? I think we kind of answered that already. You know, Bo's not going anywhere. He's staying in that two hole. Um, You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., been a lot of conversation about bumping him up to two. And I think you agree. A lot of us do. Ideally, you would love to bet Vladdy too. He's the best hitter on this team. Him and Springer should be one, two, but he's just not comfortable there Uh, for whatever reason. Likes being in the three spot. And I don't think the Blue Jays want to upset the franchise cornerstone in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it's not as if he's, I know he's struggling right now, but it's not as if he's, you know, performing poorly in the three spots. So, um, yeah, I don't uh, see much change with the lineup, uh, even when Teoscar Hernandez comes back. Tasso says, can't the Jays do any better than carrying Zimmer and Cato? If the Jays are serious about winning, just can't carry two guys like that on their roster. Now, Cato is back down uh, in the minors. And say what you will about Bradley Zimmer. and his, his moment. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Like he hit a homer off Justin Verlander, which was great, but he's made some really nice catches in center field that have kept the blue Jays uh, pitchers from uh, allowing any runs to score. The defense has been as advertised with uh, Bradley Zimmer. He's sort of uh, bizarro Derek Fisher where you yeah. know, Derek Fisher at least could have run into one, but uh, couldn't catch a baseball with a glove. Whereas uh, Bradley Zimmer can't run into one, you know, no. aside from that Verlander one, but can catch anything seemingly, you know, hit within a 30 kilometer radius. Yeah. Like I, I the, we've had this conversation about end of the bench type players. Ideally you want more upside, but a lot of major league, good major league teams have shitty bench players. Like at the end of their bench, like that kind of, happens uh, a, a little bit like you just aren't expecting much from the end of your bench like if they can give you something like they're not consistent major leaguers that like they they have their moments they have their 
their pros and they have more cons than pros. That's why they're not playing uh, every day. And Bradley Zimmer, sure, is the hitting has been horrible. It's been atrocious. He has the home run and then he has an infield bunt single that probably should have been an error. Otherwise, he hasn't done anything. But speed and uh, defense has been helpful. And the Blue Jays have done enough to win ball games, and he hasn't cost them. He's probably not going to be on the roster super long-term, but he's already delivered more value than I think Anthony Castro would have. And that alone, I think, makes it a profitable trade. And even if he's not on the roster in two weeks, I don't think you'll look back on it and say, oh, well, the Bradley Zimmer tenure was a complete disaster. He's had some positive moments. And our final listener question is from uh, Simon, potentially Simone. Uh, we're not sure. But how many more starts do you run out? You say Kikuchi, four end of May. Would you then consider him out of the bullpen? He provides velocity and swing and miss stuff that is currently missing. You've got uh, Ryu coming back, of course. Uh, he's going to go for a rehab assignment on Saturday. And then you've got Ross Stripling. You've got some potential options down in the minors as well, Josh. But, you know, you've been adamant about it. I, I'm on the same train. Like, I'm not ready to quit Yusei Kikuchi. They didn't sign him to a three-year deal and just give up on him in the middle of May. Like, it would have to get just completely off the rails for him to not continue to make starts for this Blue Jays team. And it's a work in progress. I mean, uh, you and I were both at that game on Friday, uh, at least, you know, on MLB game day and other areas, it looked like he was still throwing the cutter. Um, but according to uh, the Blue Jays, he scrapped it and was actually throwing a very hard slider. So he's, you know, starting to tinker. He's starting to work on the things that Pete Walker and this Blue Jays staff are asking him to do. So, you know, pitchers change from start to start. And I think for Kikuchi, I mean, he's kind of starting from um, scratch here uh, as the Blue Jays try to build him into whatever they hope they uh, they think he can be. Yeah, it's not ideal to have this level of work being done on the fly in season. And like, I, independent of the contract, like, I don't think you can judge a three-year deal, you know, a handful of starts into year one. Maybe it doesn't end up working out, but there's a lot that has changed. Like he's kind of got rid of that exaggerated, delayed sort of hitch in his delivery. And it still wasn't super smooth on Friday night against the Astros, but it looked a little bit more conventional where there wasn't just all those moving parts mechanically. And maybe that will allow him to be more competitive. He threw a lot of non-competitive fastballs, but he threw some really good split change-ups and he just has to, you know, he's got to be adaptable and start obviously throwing the fastball more and, and ditching the cutter. They're talking about throwing kind of a, a power cut slider type combination. And it's, uh, you got to be patient. So I understand we talk about how the motto needs to be win, win, win at all costs. I don't think you can dump Yusei Kikuchi out of the rotation a month into the season. I, I just think that you got to figure out every possible avenue to get him right, because I do think that the payoff will be worth it. He is could be a difference maker and help you win games and win the division. And I don't think it's uh, at the point or anywhere near, honestly, like I don't think before June uh, that you're cutting bait. Yeah, I said it before and I'll say it again. Drew Hutchison made 28 starts for your 2015 Toronto Blue Jays and put up an ERA of 5.57. So uh, that's that that team kept running a guy like Drew Hutchison every 5 days because they needed someone to uh, make starts and Kikuchi definitely has a lot more upside than a guy like uh, Drew Hutchison. So I don't see that changing anytime soon, like you mentioned. All right, we got to wrap this thing up on an abbreviated version of the DFA pod. So let's get to the Teoscars, Josh, your player of the week. It's Kevin Gosman, um, Jordan Romano, Bo Bichette, or George Springer. Who you got? 
Well, as much as I thought for a split second about giving it to Bo Bichette, I, you know, he had a couple of great moments, no question, but George Springer's getting the nod for me, you know, three home runs this week, a couple against uh, the Astros, his 46th career leadoff home run. He's one of the best leadoff hitters of the last number of years. One of the best, obviously right now in baseball, like outside of when Ronald Acuna Jr. is at his peak, hard to argue. There are many or any uh, more impactful leadoff hitters than George Springer, just such a difference maker and having that bat, not present. And we're seeing it defensively. He's made a number. He made two great grabs uh, over the course of the week against the Red Sox and the Astros to really save the Blue Jays at critical points of the ball game. He's doing everything uh, right now. He's been, I would say maybe their best position player as great as Vladdy has been. Springer has just done it, done it all. Uh, he's been that five tool type of player it's been really great to see and hopefully knock on wood. It's all about staying healthy for him. Cause if he stays on the field for 130 plus games, Jays are going to win a lot and uh, he's going to put up monster numbers. Yeah. If only George Springer was healthy for a few more games last year, maybe the yeah. blue Jays could have snuck yeah. into the playoffs with just one more victory. Yeah. It's a tough one this week. I mean, George Springer, obviously a great candidate. I feel like we could have given it to uh, Kevin Gossman every week so far with how amazing he has been. Uh, Jordan Romano, who uh, I'm trying to get the nickname, the Markham missile to stick. I like I it. Know, I don't know if it's going to work. I, I know his uh, nickname growing up was like Gord. Cause uh, that's his, that's his uh, Twitter handle. Isn't it like Gord on something? Yeah. Um, so maybe uh, we'll see if that can work, but you know what? I'm going to give it to Bobichet because I think, okay. you know, he didn't have a great offensive week, but the home runs that he hit were massive. He hit that big grand slam, of course, against the Boston Red Sox to get the Blue Jays in that game. And of course, uh, had the big go ahead homer against uh, Framber Valdez. It didn't end up being the game winning runs, but, you know, it's been such a tough season. I feel like Bobichet needs some uh, positive reinforcement. So we'll give uh, him my Tay Oscar of the week as always you, know, you can send us uh, your thoughts on the pod your tay oscars as well you can find us on twitter at dfa underscore pod you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify as well make sure you rate review and subscribe to the designated for assignment podcast want to thank uh, everyone out there for your patience this week i know we normally get it out on sundays but due to uh, some scheduling conflicts we're getting out this evening prior to the blue jays and uh, yankees game tonight at rogers center for josh goldberg i'm rob Wong. thanks for listening to the dfa pod and we'll talk to you in less than a week's time